welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Come on, church, let's pray. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Why don't you lift your hands today in faith? And faith as a sign that you're ready to receive from the Lord. God is here. He wants to give, but are you ready to receive? Come on, let's lift our hands. Lord Jesus, I'm lifting mine too. Lord, we love you, but only because you first loved us. You've lavished your love upon us. You've called us children of God, and that is what we are. And it's the reason why the world doesn't know us. They don't recognize us because we belong to you. Help us to embrace our alien status this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. We're going, we're going forward in faith like Abraham to a city whose builder and founder or architect is God. Oh, Lord, we're going home. Paul told us in Philippians that our citizenship was in heaven. Help us embrace that today. Help us embrace being divinely weird in Jesus' name. Lord, come visit this place. Help me to bring your word. I'm just a man. There is nothing special about me, but your word can do mighty things. Your word breaks the yoke. Your word looses the bonds. Your word, Lord, is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Your word breaks us free, breaks us out pushes us forward, lifts us, catapults us. Holy Spirit, thank you. You've already been speaking this way to us. So I pray now you would help me to deliver what you've given me for your people in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Bless the Lord this morning. And yeah, thanks Pastor Stephen. Listen, uh, children, if you're under the age of five, if you're a preschooler, uh, we just want to release you now. Uh, you can go downstairs and uh, God bless you. We love you. Hallelujah. Speaking of children, my daughter turned one yesterday. Yeah, it was just something, guys. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. We have a couple of miracle babies. I don't know if anyone out here has got, you, you, maybe you got a miracle baby. We had question marks in utero with both of our children. But the Lord did something wonderful and brought Georgia, Lucy, Christine Dobbin to us a year ago yesterday. And she is gorgeous. We love her. We're so privileged. I feel so privileged to be a dad. She looks nothing like me. She's got blue eyes. God knows genetics are a funny thing, but we love our child and we just want to celebrate her. We're still celebrating her. And if you want to come over to our house for some cake, we have a big old cake and we're not going to get through it. Or we probably are. So come and help us. Come save us. Amen. Folks, today I want to talk to you about something that I think is, is, is powerful and liberating. Uh, the name of the message, if you're taking notes, is Today I Stand. Today I Stand, brackets, the power of momentum. The power of momentum. Uh, you know, the older I get, the harder I find uh, it is to stand up. <laughs> People are like, what? <laughs> The older I get, the harder I find it to stand up. Maybe you know what I mean. Uh, you uh, have to think a little bit before you sit somewhere. 
the older you get. Amen? You do. Do I have everything I need? Because getting up is going to be a chore. No, everybody's young and spry. Well, I'm going to talk anyway. Yeah, before I sit down, I need to make sure I've got my phone. I need to make sure I have a drink. I need to make sure I have a snack. I need to make sure I've got some reading material because getting up is going to require a little bit of work. Yeah, amen. Because I'm not quite as young as I used to be. There's a little bit more tread on, worn off the tires. If I'm going to get up from somewhere, it's going to take a little bit of momentum on my part. I have to think about getting up quite a while before I actually make the move. Is it just me this morning? I have to think about it. Uh, come on, we're, we're going to be transparent and vulnerable this morning. Uh, I have to think before I go and use the toilet, do I have everything I need? Because I'm going to be sitting for a while and I need to know I have everything I need. If I don't bring my phone, I'm going to have to ring, uh, I'm going to have to read the shampoo bottle. Dun, dun, dun. Remember there was a time where we didn't have phones that had cords that would stretch all the way to the bathroom. So we had to read the shampoo bottles. Yeah, we had to read the shampoo bottles. And so you have to think, before I sit somewhere, do I have everything I need? Because standing is going to be a chore. And you know, the older we get, the longer we journey, the further we journey, the harder it is for us to stand up. The harder it is for us to rise. Things knock us down things hit us. Life has a way of hitting us with disappointments. Life has a way of hitting us with hurts. And we can be knocked down and we can be in that sitting position. And if we're not careful, we can end up sitting for a while. You know, when you don't, you can make a choice. When you're sitting, you can make a choice. And that choice is, I either need to face the pain of standing up or I can make excuses and justify why I don't need the thing that I forgot to bring when I sat down. Do you know what I mean by that? Why well, I don't really need I can just read this. I, I don't need my phone. I can just read, you know, the paper and whatever. And uh, today I want to ask you, you know, as you get older, things do take a toll on you. They do. And we can be impacted by life's disappointments. I want to ask you this. What are you telling yourself this morning? to save you from the pain of standing up? What are you telling yourself that you don't need to live with to save yourself the pain of standing up? You know, momentum is an interesting thing. Momentum is an important thing. For some of us, we begin the journey with momentum. We begin the journey striding and things come and hit our lives and we lose momentum. You know, Isaac Newton had a law called inertia. It's the second law of momentum. It says this. It says that uh, something will move in a constant, at a constant speed in a straight line until it's affected by an external force. And external forces come into our lives and they hit us in a way that robs us of our momentum. And we can end up in a seating position and rather than face the pain of standing, we start to justify why it's okay to sit. You know, and time can pass and we can age but not grow. We can stay in a seated position and things can move on, but we can stay in the same place. 
And today, if that is you, I want to encourage you. The Lord wants you to recover your momentum. The Lord doesn't want you to sit because something has knocked you off course and robbed your momentum and tell yourself reasons why you should live in a seating position rather than facing the pain and standing and moving again. Is anyone here this morning and you can identify with that? I've lost my momentum. I've lost some of the forward motion in my spiritual life. I've lost some of the forward trajectory that I used to have. You know, I want to talk to you today about the power of momentum. And there's three things before I go to the Word of God that I want us, I'm just going to give you an overview. The first one is this. I want to talk to you about hurdles to your healing, uh, the things that block your momentum. And then I want to talk to you about reclaiming your momentum. And then I want to talk to you about guarding your momentum. Amen. We need momentum this morning. We need momentum. The Christian life is one that has to be lived in stride. Amen. So come on, turn with me to John chapter 5. Very famous story. I'll give you a little bit of context just before I read it. Jesus goes to a very important place to meet an individual. It's, of course, the healing at the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda was an interesting place. Uh, the law prescribed that no one with a physical infirmity could enter into the temple. So then everybody who had physical infirmities had to meet just outside the sheep gates at a pool called Bethesda. Now, Bethesda means house of mercy. It means house of mercy. And so they would meet there under five roofed colonnades. What's interesting about the number five is that it is the number of grace in the scriptures. Five is the number of grace. And so these crippled, probably hundreds of them, would, would stay and would sort of meet and congregate at the pool of Bethesda. And at that pool, tradition says they would wait for an angel to come down and stir the waters. And once the angel stirred the waters, typically one day a year, they would be able to be helped down into the waters and experience a type of healing, experience a type of freedom. And so Jesus comes to that place and meets a particular cripple. And the first point I want to make to you today, folks, uh, just, just before we read is this. It is, impossible, it is possible to be under grace. It is possible to be in the house of mercy, the church, and be incapacitated and be stuck in something, stuck in something. So let me read from John chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which had five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who'd been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. 
At once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who'd been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Then the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who'd healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working, and until now, I'm working. Hallelujah. What an amazing story this morning. I'm going to start by talking about two hurdles to healing. Amen. Are you ready? So the first, pa- the first passage, verse 5, I believe, says this. It says that there was a man who'd been lying there for 38 years. Folks, 38 years is a long time. Amen? 38 years is a long season to be stuck in something. 38 years is a long time to be held somewhere, stuck in anxiety, stuck in fear, stuck in worry, stuck in depression, under grace, in the church, but still incapacitated. The Bible says that Jesus saw him when Jesus saw that he'd been there for a long time. He went to him and said this, do you want to be healed? The first point I want to make to you tonight is this, you can be in a season where you are stuck for so long that it stops you from seeing what's available to you. It's the first point. Jesus had to come to him and say, do you want to be made well? I want to give you an equation this morning. Time plus trauma equals a new normal. Folks, we just came out of a pandemic. I don't know if you remember. We just came out of lockdown, seasons of lockdown. And you know, the first lockdown was kind of fun. We did house parties. Zoom got a major lift to its quarterly earnings. Uh, It was just a fun new experience. But after the second lockdown, things began to change a little bit. After the second lockdown, we started to get used to a different type of freedom. Amen? We weren't quite as free as we used to be, but we'd been in it for so long that we'd sort of forgotten what freedom sounded like, felt like, tasted like. Do you remember? Oh, we got a new normal. Time plus trauma equals a new normal. We forgot what freedom really was. And what I found was really funny was people used to, uh, you, when you listen to the radio during lockdown, folks would get on, on the radio and they'd ring Neil Prenderville or whoever, and they would start citing the Irish constitution just to remind everybody what freedom really was supposed to be. They had to go to something written in black and white to remind everybody of what was theirs by right. Folks, you can be in it so long that you forget what freedom really tastes like, sounds like, feels like. 
The Bible says in Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, that the children of Israel, when Moses and Aaron came to visit them, came to speak a word of, of, of uh, deliverance over them, a word that they'd been praying for, asking for, trusting for, for 400 years. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, that they couldn't listen to Moses or Aaron because of their disappointment and the heaviness of their labor or their harsh labor or servitude. In other words, they'd been in it for so long, they'd gotten so discouraged over the heavy loads that they had to carry that they couldn't see or hear what God was saying. You can be in it so long carrying such heavy loads and burdens that you can no longer recognize truth when it's standing right in front of you. Who am I talking to this morning? Who am I talking to this morning? And that was this man. That was his experience. You know, God, when you read the scriptures, there's more than one 40-year full stop, you know, one, more than one 40-year season. That man was in a season stuck for 40 years, the children of Israel were also stuck in a season for 40 years. They spent 38 years, the Bible says, wandering around the desert, wandering around the same mountain. But the Bible says in Deuteronomy 2 verse 3, God says, said through Moses to the children of Israel, you have been walking around this mountain long enough. Is that a word for somebody this morning? You have been walking around this mountain long enough. The Bible says, then he said, turn north, turn north. And folks, I love that this morning. Is it a word for somebody? You might be disappointed. You might be discouraged. You might be under a heavy burden. You might be in a 40-year season. God is saying to somebody, you've been walking around this mountain for too long. It's time to turn north. And when we change our direction when we change our perspective, it is at that point God begins to bring breakthrough. That's the place where God begins to invade and begins to bring change and begins to bring healing into your life and into my life. Until that point, we can be lost in a season. Some of us need to admit that I'm lost in something. I have lost my way. I have lost my way. I've been in this for so long. I've become so discouraged and dejected. I've lost my way. And the word to you and to me this morning is to turn north. What does turn north mean? It means to take your perspective and turn it higher. Stop looking for hope. Stop looking for confidence at the same elevation as your problem. Amen. Stop looking for hope, for confidence at the same elevation as your problem. Psalm 121 says this, I look to the hills. Come on, finish it for me, church. Uh, where, where, from where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Do you remember in 2 Kings 6 when Elisha and Gehazi are looking at a mountain, uh, are looking at, at an army that they can't overcome? Gehazi, uh, Elisha prays and says, Lord, open up Gehazi's eyes so he can see that there's more for us than for them. Gehazi turns and the scriptures say that he looks up to the mountains and there sees the full host of heaven 
Some of us need to begin to look north. We need to look north in our perspectives again. We need to let faith rise again. We need to let the direction of our gaze lift again. When you're carrying heavy things, it's hard to look up. But the Holy Spirit would say to somebody today, turn north. You've been in it too long. Turn north. Turn north. Can I get an amen in the house of God? Turn north. Shift your gaze. I'm going back to the word. I'm going back to the promises. I'm going back to the true plumb line of my life. God's word. Hallelujah. Turn north. The next, and to me, I think one of the more interesting things now is Jesus comes and he says this, and the scriptures say, as soon as Jesus brings this message of hope to the man, all he can meet Jesus's words with are arguments. I've got nobody to help me into the water, Jesus. This is the first thing he says when the angel stirs the pool. I've got nobody to help me in. And then he goes on and he says, and besides, when I try and go in, other people get there before me. You know, (laughs) behind the malady was a mentality. Behind the malady was a mentality. Sometimes behind your season of stuck is a stronghold. For that's a hurdle, folks. Time can be a hurdle, but so can your mentality. Now, listen to this quote by John Calvin. John Calvin said this. The sick man does what we nearly all do. He limits God's help to his own ideas and does not dare promise himself more than he conceives in his mind. How many of us can identify with that this morning? You know, folks, our freedom, our life, the extent of it, the scope of it, it has everything to do with our thinking. Change your thinking, change your life. The smaller the mentality, the smaller the life. That man's mentality stretched to the four corners of his mats. And today I want to talk to you about some mat mentalities. Amen. Are you ready to talk about some map mentalities? There's three B's he gave Jesus. The first B he gave Jesus was blame. I'm blaming somebody else for where I'm at today. Somebody let me down. Somebody didn't do it for me. Somebody didn't come and help me get to where I needed to go, do what I needed to do. It's somebody else's fault for where I am today. And the next B was what? Folks, it was bad theology. He thought that an angel had to come down and stir the waters. Some of you think that change can only happen when a certain pastor prays for you at the altar. Some of you think that unless you name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, amen, that you can't have it. Some of you think that you need to sow into a ministry in order to get some sort of healing out of it. Do you know that your theology can limit what God can do in your life? Do you know that this morning? Some of us are limited by bad theology. And the next is this, it's bias. Somebody gets there before me. Somebody gets into the waters before me. Life is stacked against me. Things are never in my favor. Why is it that when I try, I fail? But everyone around me seems to succeed. Why am I the only one who gets a gym membership in January and has to get a Weight Watchers membership before Easter? 
Everybody else drops the weight. Everybody else succeeds. Everybody else gets it right. It's like everything's stacked against me, God. Oh, God, where's, where's the grace that person's experiencing? The blessing that person's experiencing? Folks, let me tell you something. And this is a principle that is going to help you. You need to identify and shed mat mentalities. How do you identify a mat mentality? Folks, there is a comfort and a captivity in victimhood. There is a comfort and there is a captivity in victimhood. Whatever story, whatever narrative, whatever idea, whatever you tell yourself to give you comfort may also be keeping you captive. If somebody, can somebody say amen? Is somebody hearing me this morning? That's a mat mentality. It may be true. They may have disappointed you. They may have let you down. It may be giving you comfort in the short term, but it's keeping you on your mat. It's justifying inaction. It's justifying you staying where you are. It's a mat mentality. Bad theology. Biases. This person's against me. That system is against me. This is stacked this way and that's stacked that way. If I only had this person's opportunities. It's a mat mentality. It's giving you comfort, but it's keeping you captive. It's keeping you on your mat. We have to learn to let go of mat mentalities. They may be true. They may be correct. But if they're keeping you on your mat, it's a false comfort. We need comfort. We need comfort. We need it when we're lost, when we're in a season, a dark place, a difficult time. We need comfort. But don't get it from a mat mentality because it'll keep you right where you are. That's how you do it. See through the comfort to the inaction, to the captivity. These are two, that's two of the burdens, two of the, sorry, hurdles to healing. That's two of them. Now I want to talk to you, church, about recapturing your momentum. Amen? Recapturing your momentum. Recapturing your momentum. The Bible says, Jesus says in verse, uh, chapter 5, eight, Jesus says to him, get up, take your mat, take your bed and walk. In verse 9, and at once the man was healed and took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. That's amazing, folks. That's amazing. Listen to this. This is the point I want to make. If I'm going to reclaim my momentum, I don't need special circumstances I don't need some angel to come and stir the waters. I don't need some moment where God is going to do something new, speak something new, give something new. That's not how I get healing. That's not how it happens. I don't need those things. I don't need special circumstances. And I don't need the false comfort of my excuses. I don't need them. If I have God... I have everything that I need to stand and to rise from the season that I am in. If I have God, I have all I need to get up. Folks, I love it. The Bible says that an angel had to stir the waters for those waters to provide healing. Well, something did stir living waters. Something did stir 
in the heart of God. Mercy stirred up the heart of God. Compassion stirred up the heart of God. And living water began to flow toward that man. Can I get an amen here in the house? It's amazing. It's the gospel this morning. Yes, sir, when you couldn't go, it came to you. When you couldn't be it, God came and brought it right to you. That's the gospel. There is freedom this morning for each and every one of us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus walked into the situation. He ignored the man's excuses and he ignored the Sabbath. Now, listen to me. That law of inertia, that law of inertia, something from the outside has to come in to disrupt your momentum. May I put it to you that false systems of belief, things outside of the Word of God, if we accept them and believe them because of trauma, they have the power to interrupt our momentum. Things that are outside of God's Word, that's the second law of inertia. They come in and they disrupt our momentum. What have you believed because of trauma and difficulty, time under heavy loads that isn't found in God's Word? Show me an inactive Christian and I'll show you a Christian who's lost sight of true north, lost sight of the Word, the promises, lost sight of the higher things. Momentum killers, stop allowing the limitations of your circumstances. So that's what the religious system was. It was a system that limited, a circumstance that the man was in that limited his circumstances. For some of us, we have limiting circumstances that we are in. Stop using them as a reason for you to stay where you are. It's time for us to let go of not just the external limitations, but the internal ones. For some of us, our excuses are keeping us on our mats. I'm not here to beat up on people who've had a hard life. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ is here. The gospel, living water is here. And Jesus paid no attention to, to any of the false systems of belief that this man had believed and kept in bound. Jesus stepped over them as if to say, they don't have the authority to tell you what's possible for your life. Only I have the authority. Only my word has the authority to tell you what is possible for you. Can I get an amen in the house this morning? It's not the circumstance you're in. It's not your excuses and the mat mentalities. Jesus paid them no mind. A principle for you this morning. What you pay attention to, you empower. Jesus didn't pay attention. Just like when he walked in to Gideon's wine press. See, this man had mat mentalities. Gideon had wine press woes. Gideon, I'm the least I'm from the least clan and I'm the least in my house. Jesus didn't even pay it attention. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord simply said to him, you're a mighty man of valor and go in this valor and strike down the Midianites. You see, our word is aspirational. We say it, but there's no power to see what we say done. God's word is impartational. 
when he says it, the power to do it is in the word. Can I step down off the stage? How do dead bones live? God says it and somehow dead bones begin to live. Somehow. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 verse 3 that the word, the world exists according to his power, the power of his word. It's his word that holds, upholds the universe. It's his word. Hebrews 11.3 says that it was through the word that God framed the universe so that what is invisible was framed by what is invisible. Oh, hallelujah. God's word is different. God's word is different. His word is different. And he came to this man. He came to this man to tell him who had the authority. John chapter 7, verse 37. Two chapters on. Jesus stands on the last day of the great feast and speaks and calls an invitation. He says, come, uh, if all who are thirsty, come and I'll give you living water. And then he says something interesting. He says, if you believe in me, as the scriptures have said, faith in the word out of your heart, out of your belly, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What if your brace, some of us are waiting for something to happen on the outside. Can I get an amen? Some of us are waiting for something to happen, some event, some moment. And God, Jesus showed up to the man and said, you don't understand. Faith in my word will bring breakthrough from the inside out. You may have a blockage this morning. You may have a blockage. You may have something impeding the flow. The second law of momentum says what? You already have momentum. Momentum isn't something to be achieved. It's something to be maintained. Hallelujah. We are his people. He brought us from the grave in himself. We have upward momentum. Glory to God this morning. We have upward momentum. We're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This here, this natural experience is just playing catch up. We have upward momentum. The least of you this morning, the one with the most, you might have been in a season for 40 years. God has a plan for your life and it is irrevocable. You know, I mentioned some 40-year seasons. Moses had a 40-year season. I was reading the book of Acts. Reading the book of Acts. Stephen stands up, gives his speech before the Sanhedrin. And he gives a story. And he's telling Moses his story. And he's talking about Moses, how Moses struck down an Egyptian taskmaster. And then when he was challenged the next day, Moses ran and fled to Midian where he stayed and raised two children as a fugitive, full stop. After 40 years, God appeared to him in the bush. That was a 40-year full stop. For 40 years, it must have felt like a full stop to Moses. It must have felt like a full stop to that man at the pool. It must have felt like a full stop to the children of Israel as they walked around the same mountain. But when Jesus shows up, he turns full stops into commas. Hallelujah. He turns them into commas because the Bible says after that, God showed up and Moses went on to fulfill all God had destined for his life. Jesus turns full stops into commas. The only full stop in the kingdom of God 
was at the end of Jesus' statement on the cross. It is finished. That's the only full stop this morning, folks. I don't care how long you've been in it for. Jesus is here. Jesus is here this morning. But the Bible says living water will flow out of your belly, out of your heart. What if the breakthrough comes from the inside out? What if our mentality is the only thing keeping us from stepping forward? It is not over for you. Now listen, you've been waiting for a feeling. We are living in a feelings generation. We're living in a generation where we do nothing without first consulting our feelings. Remember the scriptures that say God does nothing without first consulting his servants, the prophets? Well, this generation, it would be said of this generation, God does nothing without first consult. Uh, this generation does nothing without first consulting their masters, their feelings. That's the problem with this generation. But I want to tell you today that you've been waiting for an experience. You've been waiting for a feeling. You've been waiting for a moment. It is time to move. God's word, God's word has given you the true ceiling, the true potential for your life. It's time to move. I want to read a passage from Second Peter. Second Peter, because if we're going to build momentum this morning, if we're going to reclaim our momentum, it has to be on our faith. We have to build on our faith. Peter says that we, through his divine power, we've received everything that we need to live a life, a godly life. That's what he says through his divine power. And how do we gain access? Peter goes on to say, it's through the promises. So Peter tells us we've received his presence, the spirit of God, the paraclete. Do you know what paraclete means in Greek? It means to send in aid. Hallelujah. When, when we fell over the hurdles, when we couldn't get up, God sent in aid. When I have to get up off the floor from playing with my daughter, I look for something that I can lean on. Hallelujah. And God has sent us the paraclete. He sent us the Holy Spirit. And so Peter tells us, we have the Spirit of God. We have divine power. We have living water. John 14, 16, we have a comforter. Hallelujah. Another who has come to help us up. You see, we've got the Holy Spirit that will help us up, will lift us up. And we've got the promises that will uphold us, will keep us up. So we've got something to lift us and something to keep us on our feet this morning. That's what we have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what we have. And so Peter says this, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And, mor and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. So what is Peter saying? There's a principle for momentum this morning. Faith in action will precede supply. You have it because you have the Spirit. So begin to walk. And what you may feel that you lack in yourself, He has already given you and will give you when the need, when the occasion arises. Faith in action precedes supply. 
You don't need to wait for the supply. You don't need to wait for the feelings. You don't need to wait for the circumstances. You don't need to wait for everything to be right before you stand up out of the season that you're in. You have the spirit. You have the promises. Hallelujah. I will move forward as if I've already have it because I have the power and I have the promises because they're mine. Hallelujah this morning. We're coming to a close. We're coming to a close. David understood the secret of momentum. He understood it. The Bible says in Psalm 18 verse 29, David says, it's by my God I can run through a troop. It's by my God I can leap over a wall. In New Living Translation it says, in your strength, in your strength, not in my strength, in your strength, I can crush an army with my God, I can scale a wall. We already have what we're looking for, folks. It's already there. All we have to do is stand up. Don't wait for the supply because faith in action precedes supply when momentum is concerned. Divine momentum is about faith first. This morning, I want to invite you to stand first of all. Can we just stand? Please stand with me, church. Jesus came to the man first. Jesus chose him. Jesus sought him out. Jesus came looking for him to remind him what he already had. Hallelujah. To remind him what the true possibilities for his life really were. Maybe you've been in a season for a long time and you've forgotten. Maybe you've been in a season for a long time and you've lost sight of what's yours. You've lost sight of what the Spirit of God in you can achieve through you. Maybe you've lost momentum this morning. Well, what I want to do, what we want to do is this. We want to invite you to stand. There is an altar this morning. And the altar call is a simple one. Today I stand. Today I stand. Today I put down my mat mentalities. Today I'm letting go of the justifications I've been turning to for comfort to keep me where I am. Today... I'm going to stand because I have the Spirit of God who is here to help lift me. And I have the promises of God that are here to uphold me. If His Word can uphold the universe, His Word can uphold me. Just as I invite you to come, can I draw your attention to the Apostle Peter? David knew about momentum, but so did Peter. So many of us, we say so often that Peter walked on water. Peter didn't walk on water. Jesus came to him right where he was. Jesus found him. And Jesus told him to come. And it was on the very words that Jesus spoke, come, that Peter began to walk. He didn't walk on the waves, folks. He walked on the word. Listen to me. Don't look at the waves. What you give attention to, you empower. 
Listen to the words of the one who came to give you everything you need for a life and godliness. Every immobile Christian in this house this morning, you have the opportunity to take up your mat and walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I could take it up and I can walk because I'm never coming back to this season. I'm never coming back here. So this morning, I want to invite you. It might have been a long time, but it's time to come. I'm inviting you to pick up your mat right now. Right now. I am putting down mentalities and I'm turning north. I'm putting it down and I'm moving forward. We want to pray for you this morning. We're asking for you to come. Don't be shy. Come, come. You can start to come now as we begin to worship. Oh, you might have had these things in your heart for a long time. We want to pray for you this morning. We want to stand with you this morning. Oh, there's more for you this morning. There is more for you this morning. Come on, church. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Begin to pray with us. There's more this morning. There's more. I will not get false comfort from these ideas and stories and narratives anymore. I will not get false comfort from these things anymore. They comfort me, but they're keeping me on my mat. They're keeping me low. They're keeping me low. They're keeping me bound. They're keeping me stuck. This morning, Lord Jesus, I'm letting it go because the man who healed me told me to take up my mat and walk. Thank you, God, for people, places, programs, but the power is in the proclamation of the word. These things are good and often necessary, but there is enough in the word to uphold me. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship. This altar is open. This altar is open. Freedom is available. Today we stand. Today we step forward. Today we let go of those mentalities. Today we face the pain of standing up the pain of standing up because it's better than the false comforts of sitting in the same place telling ourselves the same story and getting older but never going anywhere Jesus we worship you we love you hallelujah hallelujah thank you for tuning in with us today make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.